From PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and Sandberg Media, LLC, I'm David Dalt with Things Not Seen. She brought the proof, and she was skewered. This young 25-year-old veteran who served her community and country her entire life, young life, never did anything wrong, never got into any trouble, a rule follower, was charged under the Espionage Act for bringing us the truth. Things Not Seen is made possible in part through the generosity of our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them, please go to patreon.com slash notseenradio. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash notseenradio. Thank you. Welcome to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Listeners may have heard the name Reality Winner in the news over the past several years, but my bet is that if you're anything like me, you may have heard the name but not really understood the situation that has been going on around this person who has been imprisoned for conscience for close to the last five years. Today on our program, we're speaking to the mother of Reality Winner, Billy Winner Davis, and a longtime advocate for the case of Reality Winner, Wendy Collins. They both have agreed to come onto our program remotely from their homes in various states, and we're very glad to have them with us. Billy Winner Davis and Wendy Collins, welcome to Things Not Seen. Thank Good you. morning, David. Thank you for having us on. So I want to start with, I, I think, a basic thing for my listeners, because I, when I first heard about the situation with Reality Winner, one of the things that caught my attention was her name. Her name seemed to be, in some ways, almost like a character in a novel. My, my friend and colleague, David Dark, has mentioned that Reality Winner's name sounds like it could have been written by Kurt Vonnegut or Thomas Pynchon. And I mean absolutely no disrespect by mentioning that or asking this question. But I think a lot of listeners who may be confused about her name may wonder where her name came from. And I wonder, Billy, and you've given me permission, Billy and Wendy, to use your first names. I'm wondering, Billy, if you could tell me about some of the circumstances surrounding the the naming of your daughter, Reality Winner. Yes, her name has been something that people have questioned since her arrest. And basically, it's a simple story. When I gave birth to my first child, I named her. And when I became pregnant with Reality, her father and I had an agreement that I named the first one. He was allowed to name the second one. And my husband basically said that he wanted a real winner. And so he was playing off of the words real winner and he chose reality winner. We chose reality Lee winner. Our intentions were to call her Lee growing up. But the minute that she came into our lives the name reality just fit her so well, just her personality, everything about her. And we've never thought about it, her growing up, about her name. And then, you know, the arrest happened. Her name became national news. People started asking about the name. And to me, I just feel like her name was prophetic, 
like it was meant to be. She released reality and she is reality. And I just, I feel like her name just fits her and her story so well. And I want to make sure that I've understood this. Your intention at first was to call her Lee, but in interacting with her as a child, you gravitated towards referring to her by her first name, Reality. Did I hear that correctly or did I misunderstand that? No, that's correct. That's correct. We had the intention of calling her Lee with her full name being Reality Lee. But as soon as we met her, as soon as she was born, there was just something that told us, no, she's special and her name is Reality. Could you tell us a little bit about what she was like as a child? Was she inquisitive? Was she a tomboy? Was she getting into things or was she reticent? What was her personality like when she was growing up? She was extremely bright. She was a late talker because she was a second child, but it was amazing because when she did start talking, she started talking in full sentences. It was just amazing. She was a happy child, happy baby, happy child. She was always inquisitive. She was always a straight-A student. She never stopped learning, even to today. She has always had a thirst for knowledge. People who know reality right now who have gotten to know her, anytime that she has a book request, she doesn't read fiction. She just, she reads things to learn. And she's always been like that. She was a tomboy. She was very good at sports. She was involved in basketball, volleyball, and then soccer. Soccer was one of the things that she loved growing up. And my husband was actually her soccer coach for about four years. She was always artistic and she's brilliant. She just, she, any kind of art form, writing and painting, sketching, even carving pumpkins. She's very artistic and talented. Well, and one of the things that I learned as I was preparing for this interview was that she also showed a very early proficiency with languages beyond simply picking up English. It seems like she was also able to pick up other languages, and and that factors into her broader story. But as we're talking about her childhood, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. So when Reality was three, we put her in a preschool program, and she went to that same school for about five years. And at age four, pre-K four, it was a requisite within that school that everyone take the Spanish course. And Reality immediately grasped the Spanish language to the point where the Spanish teacher was asking me whether someone in our household spoke fluent Spanish because Reality just was picking it up so well. And of course, we live in South Texas and there's Spanish and Tex-Mex, as we call it, all around us. And that came in very handy. And then when Reality was in high school, she decided that she was going to self-teach herself how to speak Arabic. And so she ordered books and programs to help her to learn Arabic. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt, and today we're speaking about the case of Reality Winner, who has been imprisoned for matters of conscience for close to five years for revealing weaknesses and frailties in our current election system. We're talking with her mother, Billy Winner Davis, and a friend and advocate of the family, Wendy Collins. 
Wendy Collins, I, I want to bring you into the conversation. We've been talking about Reality Winner's childhood and her background. You didn't know any of that. You didn't know Reality Winner when she was growing up. Instead, you got to know this family and the situation through the case. And I think one of the ways to maybe make sure that our listeners are following in terms of how the case factors into all of this, I'd love to hear from your perspective how you learned about the situation with Reality Winner and what you learned about the situation with Reality Winner when you first encountered it. Sure, I'd be happy to share that. It's a crazy story in a way, the way that I was able to learn about reality. I just, I happen to have the news on And I was already very much listening and watching and trying to be involved with what was going on based on the 2016 election. And I happened to be walking into the room and I heard the name Reality Winner. And I saw a picture of a young woman up on the television screen. And it just caught my attention. I saw this young woman. And she immediately reminded me of my daughter. And then I started to listen about what was being said about her. And it just sounded really odd and off to me. And I just couldn't let it go. I just, I felt this actual soulful connection to this person. I did not know this young woman I saw on the television screen. And just from this news bite of information, it was inexplicable the way that it spoke to me. Do you recall what that first news bite of information was? What was the nugget that really grabbed your attention? I do. It was it was on MSNBC and it was Stephanie Rule. And she was basically what I felt like and knowing more now, parroting the prosecution's narrative and basically implying that this young woman was a Taliban sympathizer, that she released this classified information and was trying to harm our country, which is exactly the opposite of what was going on. And Billy, as reality's mother, can you help us to understand what was the information specifically that reality was involved in releasing? So Reality released a single classified document, and basically it was a summary of the intelligence agency's investigations and information about the Russian attempts to infiltrate our voting systems in about 21 states during the 2016 election. And Wendy, to come back to you and that MSNBC report, was that communicated clearly in that report? Or you said that Reality Winner was being characterized as a Taliban sympathizer. That doesn't sound like talking about Russian hacking into the elections. So was it being communicated clearly what was in this document, or was that still unclear when you first learned about this? It was very unclear. I feel like they were just reciting, like I said, the prosecution's What they were trying to put out there, if you think back, we know so much more now, and they were very caught up with her name, making fun of it like third graders on a playground. It was ridiculous. All this just caught my attention. Again, my my passion at the time was feeding the homeless. I've never been what I would consider an advocate or an activist. I like to feed people. 
So I had never been involved in anything like this before. But basically the facts that I heard that I felt were facts was that she was an NSA contractor, that she had released documents. But what I heard also was that she was connected to the Taliban. And what struck me as really off was that the way she was being presented, it just sounded wrong. And they and the newscaster was saying there's going to be more information to come. More information never came. Meanwhile, I can't get Reality Winner off my mind. The media pretty much went silent. I was actively seeking out information, looking on the internet. I'm a pretty good researcher. All I was finding, there were just a couple of articles that were pretty much sounded like conspiracy theories to me. There was just nothing solid. And one other thing I think that should be pointed out is with everything that was going on in our country at the time, here I am, I'm thinking about reality. I can't let it go. And I think we've since learned that the inundation of all of this news that was being thrown at us at one time was, I believe, not being conspiratorial by nature at all, but I believe it was very much planned to distract Americans from understanding how the Russians were interfering in our election, which was the very document reality released. Just do anything to distract away from that. So it was very difficult to find information because the media just pretty much dropped it. And that's why no one knows who she is unless you're on social media. And we'll be picking up more details of this after we come back from our break. But for right now, I just want to remind listeners that this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Today we're talking about the case of Reality Winner, who has been imprisoned for conscience for close to five years now for trying to reveal information about Russian hacking into our election system. We're speaking today with Billy Winner Davis, Reality Winner's mother, and Wendy Collins, an advocate and friend of the family who has been working with the Winner family since 2017. We'll be back in a moment. Each week here at Things Not Seen, we dive deep into the tough questions about culture and faith. Questions are a sign of growth, and it's way easier to hear the answers when others join in the asking. That's why I'm excited for our sponsor, BeADisciple.com. It's the social hub for all your spiritual quandaries. One click away at BeADisciple.com. Scroll through their affordable, ecumenical, accredited, short-term online courses, all taught by content experts. Here you'll be in the company of others where it's safe to discuss hard questions. If you have questions and are looking to grow, enroll in a course today and ask away at BeADisciple.com. Welcome back to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. If you're enjoying these conversations, please go to our website, thingsnotseenradio.com. There you'll find nearly a decade of these conversations, all for free, for your listening pleasure. Today, we're talking about the case of Reality Winner. 
She was imprisoned for conscience because she tried to reveal deficiencies in our election system and ways in which the Russians had preyed upon those weaknesses and deficiencies. We're speaking with her mother, Billy Winner Davis, and Wendy Collins, who has been a longtime advocate and friend of the Winner family and has been working on Reality Winner's case. Before the break, we were talking about a news report that first alerted you, Wendy Collins, to the case of Reality Winner. And just so that our listeners are tracking, can you help us to understand how this report that you saw, where did that fit in the whole Snowden and Julian Assange WikiLeaks kind of timeline? Was this before that? Was it after that? Was it in the middle of it? I'm not completely familiar with those cases. Again, I was out there feeding the homeless. (laughs) But as far as I understand, much after. And reality, Winner was not involved at all with WikiLeaks. She released the document to one journalistic source, which was not WikiLeaks. And as far as Snowden, that was years prior. Another distinction between the cases that I understand is Reality Winner released one document to basically inform we, the people, about election interference in our own country. The other cases were very different because those people were releasing information about our country. So there's a huge distinction there. And so I'm hearing clearly that you, Wendy Collins, were not following the Snowden case, you weren't following the WikiLeaks case, as you've said several times in this conversation, you were simply interested in feeding the homeless. That was your passion. You weren't a conspiracy buff who was combing the internet for this kind of information. Billy, as Reality Winner's mother, in your estimation, was Reality Winner a conspiracy buff? Was she into the WikiLeaks or the Snowden case? Was she involved at all with any of this? Or was this a singular moment for her, too, when she found out about this breach in our election security? Reality was not involved in any way with WikiLeaks or with Snowden. I know that being in the Air Force, The information that she dealt with was extremely sensitive and guarded, and she did take her oath very seriously. I think that when she came across this document, what was happening in the world at that time, what was happening in our country at that time, really moved her to take the action that she did. At the time that Reality was working at the NSA there in Georgia and came across this document, What was happening was that our administration and our intelligence agencies were lying to the American people and telling us that the Russians did not interfere in any way with our 2016 election, that they did not hack into our election, and that there was no threat. So my daughter was there at the NSA and fully had access to this document that said otherwise. And she felt like the American people needed the truth at that time, which we did. If my daughter had not released this and we continued to hear from our government that there was no truth to the stories that the Russians interfered or tried to hack into our elections, where would we be today? 
I think that the, the problems would be much worse. And my daughter's releasing this document. It took a lot of courage and it took a lot of integrity. It took somebody who really cared and loved their country enough to risk everything and to give up everything for the truth to be known. And I want to make sure that listeners are following this clearly. So the document that Reality Winner released was a brief document, about five pages, that was internal to the National Security Agency that was outlining the threats to election security from the Russian government that were present in the 2016 election. And at the same time, if I'm hearing you correctly, all of the federal agencies that were facing publicly were saying there is no threat, there is no problem. So there was a disjunction between what the public-facing part of our government was saying about the threat and what those who had clearance to really see the documentation understood was the truth of the threat. I just want to make sure before we proceed, have I got that part of the story correct? Yes, that's correct. And so... At this moment, she has access to this document, not because she's been working on election security, but if I hear you correctly, Billy, because she had an early passion in high school to learn Arabic, and that got her involved in the Air Force in doing the kind of translation and, and intelligence work that would allow her to have facility with highly classified materials, but based more in the Middle Eastern region. Do I have that part of the story correct as well? Yes, that's correct. When she went into the Air Force, she was selected to be part of a linguist program, and the Air Force trained her in Pashto, Dari, and Farsi. And so when she was in the Air Force, she actually was in intelligence. She worked at the NSA in Fort Meade in Maryland, and her job was to interpret documents and communications in the Middle East. So after she was discharged from the Air Force, she took a job with a private contract company and worked at the NSA in Georgia. And she came across this document. This document was like widely read in the intelligence field. My daughter's not the only one who saw this document, who knew of its existence. But yet our government and our intelligence agencies were not releasing it to the public. And Wendy Collins, I want to follow up on this because the contents of that document have largely now been proven correct. Is that a fair statement to make? Yes, exactly. And, and even further, look what Russia is doing now. Look at the cyber attacks that have happened now that our current president has said zero about. If you go back in time, Reality Winner warned us, she alerted us, she rang the alarm bells. And the way they got in, it was the same type of techniques. It was the spear phishing emails. You click on the link and they're in. And that's how they got into our voting infrastructure. And originally, it was thought that I think it was only 21 states, but as we learned more, it was, I believe, almost all of the states. And there were investigations that happened, well, the Mueller investigation, and I think, I believe the Senate Intelligence Committee, those two investigations happened very much the Mueller investigation because of 
what reality, when are released? And that was why she was persecuted the way she was, because until her release, there were no receipts. It could be called fake news. She brought the proof and she was skewered. This young 25-year-old veteran who served her community and country her entire life, young life, never did anything wrong, never got into any trouble. A rule follower was charged under the Espionage Act for bringing us the truth when no one else would. No one else would. As Billy said, others had access to that summary. We were being lied to. Why is our electoral process classified? Why is this information kept from the people? Because I believe it was too big. And we've seen it over and over again throughout this administration. And here we had Jeff Sessions as the DOJ at the time. He, He took a break from locking up children and putting them in cages and made sure that Reality Winner's head was going to be on a pike. And she was following her conscience. She had to do what she had to do. She completely self-sacrificed to do this. She could have turned away like everyone else did. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt, and today we're talking about the case of Reality Winner, who for nearly five years has been imprisoned over an act of conscience to try and bring to light security breaches in our election system from the Russian government. We're speaking today with Reality Winner's mother, Billy Winner Davis, and a friend and advocate of the family, Wendy Collins. I want to make sure that listeners follow this, because what we've brought out in the conversation so far is that reality winner wasn't some kind of conspiracy theorist. She wasn't a zealot. She was a a person who had a certain level of security clearance that allowed her to see a document that showed that there was a threat to our election from the Russian government in 2016. She made that document public. And then we have now found out that the accusations about the threats to our election system were true. And I think a reasonable listener who's just learning about this for the first time would say, how in the world then is she in jail? And Billy, as her mother, maybe you could tell us about how that happened. Reality was interrogated by 11 FBI agents at her small home in Augusta, Georgia, on June 3rd, 2017. And after being basically interrogated in the back room of her home by two of these agents, she admitted that she had released the document to the media outlet, The Intercept. She was arrested on that day, June 3rd, 2017. And from there, the government charged her with a crime of releasing national defense information under the Espionage Act, and she was denied bail and kept in jail until she was forced to plead guilty and accept a plea deal, which landed her the longest sentence in history for a crime of this type. And so even though what she was reporting was true, 
the the truth of it wasn't considered and the benefit to the american people wasn't considered but instead if i'm hearing you correctly simply the fact that she was hearing your characterization of it almost cajoled or forced into a confession and then maneuvered into a plea deal by being kept in conditions that really were not that were very harsh what i'm hearing you saying is that really she was maneuvered into almost like a, a show trial to say, this is what you get if you tell our secrets, even if the secrets are of the benefit to the American people. Have I heard that correctly? That's correct, yes. And that's what the, why the government uses the Espionage Act against whistleblowers like reality. The Espionage Act does not allow you to defend yourself. The Espionage Act doesn't allow you to say why you did what you did, why you released the information. It's just a matter of you betrayed your country because you betrayed your oath and your contract. And that's why they use it against people like reality. And Wendy Collins, you became part of this saga when you saw that MSNBC news report, but you then actually became very close with the Winner family and have, and have actually become very close, in my understanding, with Reality Winner herself, in some ways becoming an advocate for her as she has been in prison and helping her as she's been in prison. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey from being an outsider seeing a news report to coming into the circle of the family and even into a relationship with Reality Winner herself? Certainly. So after the news report and looking for more information, seeing that I couldn't find any, I got on social media. I found some Facebook, some small Facebook groups. It's just heart wrenching. I decided I was going to write to reality and I did. She was kept in conditions being charged under the Espionage Act and being denied bail. She was tortured. She was tortured in this rural jail. She was never read her Miranda rights by the FBI officers when they arrested her. So that was something that her defense team tried to bring up. They lost every motion. They lost everything. Because when the full weight of the government comes down upon you, there's nothing you can do. This was all an education for me. I thought our government was fair. I've learned so much in the past years about this case, about social justice, racial justice, all of it. it. It all, it's all together. And I've learned a lot of it through reality being in prison and her explaining to me what's going on there. And I'm jettisoning off a little by going in that direction, but reality would want me to talk about these conditions that she's had to endure because she's not the only one, and she will be an advocate when she gets out of prison. She will be fighting for social justice reform. And for Reality Winner to be charged under the Espionage Act when she was trying to help her own country, this is clear abuse. And it's an abuse of power, and we need to reform that. Reality Winner is a whistleblower. She was trying to protect her country. and. She was locked away, part of the strategy. She was locked away for one year and 83 days in one room. She was literally caged. And she might get, if she's lucky, 30 minutes outside if the guards felt like letting her go outside. And they knew because reality suffers from bulimia. And that 
exercise is her coping mechanism. So all of these things that they knew about reality, and there were many, they used to torture her and deny her nutrition. She's a vegan. And food was a huge issue for her. We did everything we could to try and get fruit into the prison so all the inmates could have something nutritious to eat. And, and finally, we were able to connect with a local church who would help because the prison wouldn't allow us to do it, even though we wanted to feed everyone. Things like that. So imagine one year and 83 days. Reality can't get bail because the Justice Department, they know if Reality Winner gets out, America's going to fall in love with her. And so they kept her inside so she'd have no voice. And so at several points, you've used this word torture. And I want to make sure that listeners are following because maybe their mental image is someone being chained up and whipped or something else horrible being done to the body. What I'm hearing you saying in terms of the torture that you're characterizing is, first of all, solitary confinement, which psychologists and others have absolutely said is mental torture. It is debilitating to not be allowed to interact with others and to be outside. I'm also hearing you saying, Wendy, that part of the way in which this torture, as you say it, was being visited on Reality Winner was that certain aspects of her health and her nutrition were being exploited. So she has bulimia and eating disorder. She uses exercise as a way of regulating. That was denied to her. She has dietary restrictions. She's a vegan and access to things that would actually be able to be palatable for her diet were denied to her. So in hearing all of these things, I, I agree with you that the word torture is an accurate word to use. I want to turn to you as her mother, Billy, asking you, what was the effect of all of these different tortures on Reality Winner? What has been the effect over time of these deprivations and these mental onslaughts? This has been such an incredibly difficult and painful journey for me as her mother to, to actually witness and experience with her. There were so many dark moments when she was there in Georgia, in that jail. And I do want to clarify, Reality wasn't in solitary confinement when she was in the Georgia County Jail. She was actually held in like a holding cell for about 12 female inmates. And during that time period, she also witnessed so much that she had never, ever been exposed to. People with mental health issues, people with violent tendencies. My daughter was assaulted when she was in the jail and she had to deal with people who were coming off of drugs and detoxing. And it was just this whole period, and she still goes through it today, being in a maximum security prison, She's sleeping with murderers. She's sleeping with people who have dismembered their family members. It's it's just it's a scary thing for a, a mother to actually realize to to say that my daughter is in these conditions. She's in this environment, and she's there because she released a document that had proof of a threat to our country in it. And that to me just, it just, every single day that it doesn't make sense to me. 
and it, it's just really difficult. The effect that it had on her, she had times where she was extremely depressed and she had to be placed on medication to deal with severe depression. And our family actually had to hire a psychologist to go to the jail to treat her because that was the only way to give her treatment to help her through this. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt, and we're speaking today about the situation of reality winners' imprisonment for conscience for trying to reveal weaknesses in the U.S. election system in 2016. We're speaking with her mother, Billy Winner Davis, and a friend and advocate of the family, Wendy Collins. We'll be back in a moment. Things Not Seen is brought to you in part by Liturgical Press. Liturgical Press is a trusted publisher of resources on liturgy, scripture, theology, and spirituality. They've evolved to serve the changing needs of the Christian church, and they produce resources for pastoral leaders, teachers, engaged learners, and all leaders looking for quality books on faith and culture. Lit Press books are available at your favorite book retailer and online at litpress.org. That's litpress.org. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Each week on our program, we bring you a rich conversation about culture and faith. If you're enjoying these conversations, please go to our website, thingsnotseenradio.com. There you'll find nearly 10 years of these sorts of interviews, all for your listening pleasure for free. Today, we're talking about the case of Reality Winner, who has been imprisoned on a matter of conscience for close to five years. We're speaking today with her mother, Billie Jean Winner Davis, and with a friend of the family who has been working on the case since 2017, Wendy Collins. So when she was in jail in Lincolnton for the year and 83 days, she was in that kind of holding cell. When she was transferred, finally out after she was forced to plea that was when she was put into solid solitary confinement and they took her bible away that's when that story starts the one her one possession the one thing she had to hold on to that they took from her when they moved her in the early hours of of the morning she was in solitary confinement until we got her out and i actually went up went there and visited her and we made so many phone calls, but yeah, she was in solitary confinement and she could not, she, I've, I've never seen her like that before. She could not do that. Here she'd spent a year and 83 days with, in a room with all these women. And now all of a sudden she's completely by herself with nothing. And she has no, no idea where she's going. I. It is difficult to go back and to revisit some of the harder experiences that we've had. It's just, and that's where I think Wendy comes in as far as a reality actually reached out to Wendy after Wendy had established a relationship with her through letters and Wendy would, or reality would call Wendy and Wendy asked reality, what can I do for you? And reality said, you need to take care of my mom. And so Wendy reached out to me and Wendy and I have become close as sisters. And so reality also, even though she was in that county jail and she was 
suffering so much. She always had a thought for others. How do I take care of my family? Always. Yeah. It's just, she's an amazing person. She's so compassionate and caring and giving. And so I've been blessed through this ordeal with people who fell in love with reality, who have then become my family and have supported me through this and have gotten me through this. I don't think a day goes by that Wendy and I don't text back and forth or call each other and just check in just to say, I love you. And I, I always know that I'm not alone and I always have her and reality always has her. That's what makes her the, the fairy godmother is she makes everything better. And reality did this for us. And Wendy, just a moment ago, you mentioned that one of the things that had been done to Reality Winner was that her Bible had been taken away. Could you tell us a little bit about that situation, how it came to pass? You can see in pictures when she would go to court, when she was going through her worst of times, she always was clutching. It was a very small little Bible. She was shackled hands and feet. But you could see in her hands was that Bible that she would bring into the courtroom. And for reality, anytime they brought her into the courtroom on TV, oh, you get to wear street clothes, not reality. They never let her wear her own clothing. They shackled her. They made her look like a criminal every single time. They might be, give her a clean uniform. That was as good as it got. But she always had her Bible. The day she pled, she had the Bible with her in the courtroom. So a few weeks passed, and she had no idea when the day she was going to be transferred or where she would be transferred to, because sometimes they move you around a bit before they take you to prison. So she ended up at an, it's somewhat of a, it, at the time, it was being used as an ICE detention facility. It was called Baker Detention Center, and it was in Florida. And I live in Florida. It was about three and a half hours north of me. And reality called me. I don't think she was able to get hold of her mom or Gary that day or her sister. She called me hysterical. I have never heard her like this before. And they had her in solitary. They took her Bible. She had nothing. She did not have her Bible that she could turn to. She had nothing. And she said, I can't do this. I can't do this. She was already so scared. She was going to be going to prison, you know, for 63 months. And she was just terrified. And I just started calling. We, we all did what we could to get her out of solitary confinement. We reached out to Amnesty um, International because that is torture. And especially with issues that reality has and suffers, but for any anyone. So I was able to go down there and I called over and over and I was like, are, are you sure you're going to let me visit her? You're going to let me see her. And when I got there, they're like, they basically said I couldn't see her, that she was in solitary. And I started crying and just waited and just kept asking and asking. And finally they brought reality into this room, I guess, normally where attorneys meet people, inmates, incarcerated people that are being held. And we were able to 
actually stand in this room. Normally they make you sit. It was almost surreal and that this was, I had visited reality in Lincolnton several times behind glass. I was, I've never touched reality. I've never been able to give reality a hug. We've never hugged each other. But in this room, even though we were separated by glass, we were able to stand and each put our hand on the glass. And it felt as though there was no glass. It was this moment. And we were looking at, into each other's eyes. And um, we're, going to, we're going to get you out of solitary. It's going to be okay. We're going to get you out. And we did. We got her out of solitary and she ended up in basically a room filled with, if I remember, Billy, hundreds of women that all spoke Spanish. All spoke Spanish, yes. Yeah, they were all, they'd been rounded up. It was during the big push, the big Jeff Sessions push. And reality, she fit right in there. It was filthy. I remember her telling me how filthy it was and, and she started cleaning and we discussed the Bible and this is where I believe they had her Bible. Am I correct, Billy? This is where you were able to get the Bible back from Baker? Yeah, um, I had to contact, I contacted the Baker Detention Center and I had to send them a money order of $25 and then they mailed me her Bible so that her Bible could at least be home here for her. But they would not give it back to her even after she got out of the isolation. They would not give it back. And that Bible, that had been with her. That Bible was her only comfort. And they wouldn't let her have it back. So she had a Bible that she had written notes in that had been with her throughout this journey, this saga, this ordeal. And it had been taken from her in solitary confinement. Billy, as her mother, that that physical Bible is now back with you. But I'm also understanding that she has not been allowed to have any Bible since then. Is that correct? No, that's not correct. Now that she's in prison, she does have access to her books and she does have a Bible. Not that Bible, but not that one. Yes, yes. (laughs) Okay, so that that particular Bible, which has sentimental and intellectual value, because it's part of her testimony, it almost sounds like, that the notes and everything, the ways in which she engaged with the scriptures, she's not allowed to have that particular Bible. Am I correct? Yes, that's correct. And that Bible had been given to her by some ladies that had visited her at Lincolnton County Jail in Georgia. There were several ladies that would go and do weekly Bible studies with the women, and Reality really established some very close relationships with two of the women, and one in particular. Her name was Joyce, and she was amazing. We oh, we actually yes. got to have our own little Bible study with Joyce, and that we was did. something that Reality wanted for us to experience what it was like to have a Bible study with Joyce. And so we were able to go and have an afternoon tea and Bible study with Joyce one day after Reality's, after she had pled guilty. One of the things that is striking me throughout this conversation is that at every point in this process, as difficult as it has been, Reality Winner, your daughter, your friend, 
has been reaching out to establish relationships. She's been establishing relationships with these women in the Bible study. She established a relationship with you, Wendy Collins, first through writing and then through visiting. When she was in the the depths of despair, one of the things that she says to you, Wendy Collins, is please take care of my mother. And you've also reported in this conversation that you, Wendy, and you, Billy, have become very close. One of the one of my takeaways from this conversation is how powerful Reality Winner has been in creating relationships and the power and importance of relationships at every step of this story. And as I'm saying this to you, I'd love to hear what you think about the importance of relationships and the importance of relationships not only to Reality Winner but around Reality Winner. The role that has played in all of this in supporting every person in this horrific set of events it really shows you that that is pretty much what is important in life is the relationships that you have with others because without one another we can't survive and my daughter is special in a way that she has been able to bring people together through her ordeal and I always attribute it to when you meet reality, you see how special she is and you fall in love with her and it's magical. And then she has a way of drawing people together and connecting us through things, through little things. There's other people that I've been connected with through reality and through this experience. And I think Wendy has too. She has just built a family through her experiences. And it's something that we all thank her for and we all owe her for. And it just shows how very special my daughter is. I mean, reality is so special that I looked into her eyes on a television screen and I was like, I have to help this young woman. And I have never in my life felt anything like that before. There was something, it was soulful. It was, and and that is reality. Even in the darkest of times, she knows how to bring people together. And she also knows how to, she'll make you laugh. She helps us as much as we help her this is why they would never let her out they knew they knew if they ever let her out on bail can you imagine reality winner never got a bail and you go look at kyle rittenhouse who's walking the streets you look at the roger stone all these players that tried to harm america she was denied compassionate release even on appeal But Michael Flynn's pardon, it's just every step of the way, the people who needed to spend time in prison didn't. The only one who's in prison is reality winner. The one who tried to save us all from this nightmare. She's in prison. She is suffering. She got COVID in prison and was congratulated on a positive result. She has been sexually assaulted in prison because she was denied compassionate release. 
it's just unbelievable. It fits right in with what's been going on in our country today. Wendy, you, you've reported, you've said at several points in this conversation that you had a kind of gripping experience of seeing Reality Winner through a news broadcast, and that got you involved in her plight and in her life. Listeners will encounter this story maybe for the first time through this broadcast. And I'm wondering, Wendy, if a person feels moved by this story, if they've heard this maybe for the first time and their heart has been stirred, what are some ways that a person can become positively involved in the plight of Reality Winner and can help to make a difference in her case? I think at this point we need to petition the new administration. We need to make sure Reality Winner must be pardoned. She must be released from prison. At the very least, home confinement. She meets all the criteria for home confinement. There is no reason through the CARES Act with COVID. She's already been sick. She has history, medical history of pneumonia. Just on that that basic level, Reality Winner was denied compassionate release out of cruelty from the very people that put her in prison in the first place and denied her a bond on appeal, knew she was never read her Miranda rights. It's like the abusers get to make all the decisions over the people they abused. So the biggest thing that people can do when they hear this story, in my opinion, and and I would love for Billy to weigh in, but is to petition this new administration to release reality winner at least on home confinement and bring her home where she is safe. She is not safe in prison. Her life has been threatened and we need we need to bring her home as quickly as possible. There's no time to waste. There's no time to waste. Well, and and Billy, I want to ask you a slightly different version of that same question. I am also aware that there may be some listeners who are completely unmoved at this point by the plight of your daughter, Reality Winner. They may have heard the story laid out and said, she broke the law, she deserves what she gets. I'm the parent of children. I know that Wendy is the parent of children. You are the mother of Reality Winner. I wonder if you would be willing to speak to those people who still may have a hardness of heart towards your daughter. What would you say to them to try and change their position to make them see and realize what you know to be true? As Reality's mother, I'm the first one to, to say that she broke the law. She broke a rule. She broke her contract. She was not supposed to release any kind of classified information, but she did. So, yes, she should have consequences, but she's already served almost four years behind bars. She's already been tortured. She's already been deprived of medical care. She's already been deprived of nutrition. She's already been assaulted, injured, sexually assaulted. She's already gotten sick. How much abuse does this woman deserve? I also want to look at, you know, her service to her country. My daughter served six years in the Air Force, and she was awarded a commendation medal for protecting her country against ISIS. 
How does that factor in for the people who think that her life is not worthy? My daughter has already served her time. It's time to release her. This is cruel and unusual punishment. That's what I say to the people. My daughter did not deserve this. She does not deserve this kind of a sentence, this kind of torture. Remember, remember, this is a record-breaking sentence. This was by design. They weaponized reality's service and used it against her. The Department of Justice, the prosecutors that went after reality, they won an award for this record-breaking sentence. This was all to scare off anyone else who dared blew the whistle on this administration. She was the first persecution, I won't call it a prosecution, because it was a persecution of the Trump administration. Reality Winner is a political prisoner. She released one document. You talk to experts in the field. It, it's, it could have been just a misdemeanor, releasing classified information. Look at General Petraeus. He got no time at all. I don't even know if he got probation. He may have gotten probation. If anything, I've talked to whistleblower experts that say at maximum two to 20 months, reality winner got 63 months and she never got a bail to defend herself, a bail that they give to the worst of the worst. Murderers get out on bail. Murderers, not reality winner. She's not seen the light of day since her arrest on June 3rd, 2017. It's crazy. She's paid her price. She broke the law, in my mind, for all the right reasons. But yes, but she's overpaid. We owe her now. Billy, earlier in this conversation, Wendy talked about how learning about the case of Reality Winner, your daughter, has shaken and reshaped her faith in some of the American institutions of justice. I wonder if you'd be willing to speak about how this situation with your daughter, watching her go through these ordeals, how has that shaped and changed your faith? And I mean that not just faith in our American institutions, but maybe also your faith, spiritually speaking. So my faith, spiritually speaking, has not been impacted by this experience. I think that it's probably gotten stronger through this. I I can't really explain that, just that we talked about how I've been connected to people like Wendy and have always felt supported. I feel like I also have the protection of God with me through this. And I feel like reality does too. Even though she has suffered so much, I always feel like we're protected. So my faith in God, my faith, my spiritual faith, my religious faith hasn't wavered. But my faith in my country and our criminal justice system has definitely, I would say, I have no faith in our criminal justice system or our government at this time. I've been a social worker my entire life. I worked with the child protective system for over 26 years and was very involved in the courts. And I always saw the courts as fair, as 
you could expect to be treated justly by the courts. But what I saw happen to my daughter throughout this experience was there was nothing fair. There was nothing just about it. When I first, when we first went in to the very first bail hearing and I saw how the government was tearing my daughter's character apart, they were actually using her service to America against her, saying that because she spoke all of these languages and because she had worked at the NSA and because she knew all of these secrets, that that made her a threat against America. My daughter served in the Air Force for six years. Yes, she knows a lot of secrets, but she would never dare do damage to this country. The document that she released actually told us that there was a threat to our country. And the way that they twisted everything about my daughter's character, her personality, her life, and they used it against her, it was devious, and I saw how the government just continued to beat her down. The fact that she was never read her Miranda rights, and when her team tried to fight that in court, the judge never ruled on it. I felt justice has not been served in this case. When a court doesn't rule on a motion because they know that they're going to be ruling against the government. That tells you everything you need to know about our criminal justice system and our government. It's all stacked against us. You're powerless if the government goes against you. Wendy Collins and Billy Winter Davis, it has been so clear to me in this conversation the love and support that you two have for each other, and it is also very clear the love and support and care that you have for reality winner, your daughter and your friend. I just want to tell you how grateful I am for the trust that you placed in me in telling me your story in this conversation. I want to tell you that my family has been praying for reality winner and that we care very deeply about the outcome of this case. And I know that our listeners will as well. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Things Not Seen is produced by Sandberg Media, LLC. We're distributed nationally by PRX, the public radio exchange. Today's show was recorded at the William Adams Studios in beautiful Hyde Park here on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. Our studios have a home courtesy of the Zygon Center for Religion and Science, part of the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. Neither Zygon nor LSTC are responsible for the content of this program. Our theme music is composed by Gene Kija. Our show is made possible in part by the generosity of supporters on Patreon. You can find out how to help us create great programs by going to patreon.com slash notseenradio. You can follow us on Twitter at notseenradio. Visit us on Facebook and like our page to receive regular updates about the show and find out more about our guests. That's facebook.com slash thingsnotseenradio. And you can sign up for the free podcast, listen to old shows, send us an email, and find out more about our guests if you visit us on the web at thingsnotseenradio.com. I'm David Dalt, and we'll be back next week with more conversations about culture and faith. Please join us.